The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. My guest today claims that Jesus never existed and that he, in fact, is the true Messiah. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. You know, I was I was just thinking that it's likely that today's show is going to be one of the most unique shows in the history of the Line of Fire broadcast. And I doubt that with the hundreds of thousands, even millions of other podcasts and radio shows that will be taking place today and over the course of the next month, I don't know that any is going to be more unusual than today's. We've also got some really edifying, important scripture truths to share with you. Welcome to the broadcast. It's thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. So we're going to start in a moment getting into the word, the Hebrew Bible, as our theme for the month of January is let's get healthy. Let's get healthy spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. Let's get healthy. Next week, we want to introduce a new sponsor to you with some great health supplements. Uh, Really exciting stuff. I've been counting the days to get there to share this with you and and I believe you're going to be greatly blessed. And these folks really believe in the line of fire, want to help us blanket the nation with this broadcast. So that's coming next week as we continue on the Let's Get Healthy theme. But today, Thirdly Jewish Thursday, we're going to look at some Hebrew scriptures and, and get some insights from the Hebrew Bible about health and wholeness. That's first. Then I want to give you an update on where things stand with a black Hebrew Israelite leader in terms of a public debate. And we don't have it scheduled in terms of a day locked in, but we've agreed on the topic. But I want to give you the history and let you know what he has declined to debate me on. And then, as we open the door, we said if you're a Hebrew Israelite leader, etc., and you want to debate me on a certain subject, well, we were contacted by one group, one individual, and obviously... Obviously, the vast majority of Hebrew Israelites do not believe that this person is, quote, the Messiah. But they wanted to talk to me. I said, well, great. Let's do an interview on the air. And this gentleman claims that Jesus never existed, that he himself is the true Messiah. So, of course, my heart goes out to this individual, this deeply deceived individual, but I'm going to allow him to share with you what he believes. And this way we can better pray for him and for those that might be deceived into following him. If you have a Jewish related question, any Jewish related question of any kind, Hebrew related, modern Israel related, Jewish tradition, Jewish background to the New Testament, Messianic prophecy, give me a call 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. A little later in the show, we'll get to some calls. All right, so many of you know that my doctoral dissertation was on the Hebrew word for healing, the Hebrew root rafa. And I said its fundamental meaning was to restore, make whole, and then can be applied in various ways to a physical body healing, to undrinkable waters made wholesome, to uh, severe uh, disease in in, in the body or in the house, a a skin affliction or mildew in the house, then, then that rafa would mean that that was remitted, that that was gone. It was used for repairing a broken altar. In other words, the the root had a wider meaning of restoration, making whole, and then these various specific applications. And we know it most as the root for heal. 
what is clear, undeniable, reading through the Old Testament, is that sickness in and of itself is negative. It's associated with death. It's associated with sin. It's associated with judgment. It's associated with curses. Sickness in and of itself. At the same time, healing and health are looked at as blessings from God. And they are associated with life. They are associated with his favor. Now, it doesn't mean that every individual who's sick is therefore sinning. And it doesn't mean that everyone who's healthy is therefore godly. But there's no question whatsoever that sickness would be in the category of curse, associated with death, associated with judgment, associated with sin, and that healing and health would be in the category of life and blessing. And by the way, that mentality is reinforced when Jesus comes into the world and in demonstration of the Father's character and in demonstration of the kingdom of God breaking out and in demonstration of him being the Messiah, heals the sick and sets the captives free. But for now, I just want to focus on the Hebrew Bible, all right? So let's start in Exodus 15, 26. This is part of the covenant that God gave with the children of Israel as they were coming to Mount Sinai had been delivered from Egypt. God said this, if you'll heed the Lord your God diligently doing what is upright in his sight, giving ear to his commandments and keeping all his laws, then I will not bring upon you any of the diseases. So call him achalot asher something mitzram. I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Exodus fifteen twenty six. So notice everything God brought on Egypt. It, it wasn't just physical illness. There were the plagues and everything. That's, that's all in the category of sickness, machala, these various afflictions. God said, I won't put any on you. Why? Because I am the Lord, your healer. And I prefer healer to doctor there because this is broad ranging. This is not just physical healing. This is deliverance from these other plagues and attacks. So here, obedience is associated with blessing and healing. Just looking at what the Torah says. All right, starting here. Then we go to Exodus chapter 23. Verses 25 and 26. Often when I'm out with folks and they'll ask me to pray before a meal, I'll recite these verses in Hebrew. etc. So you shall serve slash worship the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sickness from your midst. This is Exodus 23, verse 25. No woman in your land shall miscarry or be barren. I will let you enjoy the full count of your days. So notice the most fundamental aspects that are needed for human thriving, blessing on food and drink, healing of disease, and the ability to reproduce. These are promised as Israel worships and obeys the Lord. If they obeyed him as a nation, this is what they would have experienced as a nation. One more clear promise from the Torah, and this is in Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. And if you do obey these rules and observe them carefully, the Lord your God will maintain faithfully for you the covenant that he made on oath with your fathers. He will favor you and bless you and multiply you. He will bless the issue of your womb and the produce of your soil, your new grain and wine and oil, the calving of your herd and the lambing of your flock in the land that he swore to your fathers to assign to you. You shall be blessed above all other peoples. Baruch There shall be no sterile male or female among you or among your livestock. In verse 15, the Lord will ward off from you or remove from you all sickness. 
He will not bring upon you any of the dreadful diseases of Egypt about which you know, but will inflict them upon all your enemies. These are glorious promises. And this was to the nation of Israel. If they would obey him as a nation, they would be free from sickness and disease. That's a glorious promise. Obviously, we always fell short under the law and never saw the fullness of this realized. But healing and health were divine blessings that were promised under the Sinai covenant. And if they disobeyed, then God would bring severe plagues and diseases on them. All right, let's go over to Psalm 41. Psalm 41, and I want you to see how this mentality of the blessing of healing and sickness being associated with with sin and death, I want you to see how this carries out in the Psalms. Psalm 41 begins with the Hebrew word ashrei, which is truly happy, truly blessed. Happy is he who is thoughtful to the wretched or to the poor. In bad times, may the Lord keep him from harm. Now you could take this as a prayer or a promise. The Lord will guard him and preserve him and he will be thought happy in the land. He will not be subject to the will of his enemies. Now look at this, verse, verse four in Hebrew, verse five in English. The Lord, excuse me, four in Hebrew, three in English. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. This is someone who honors the Lord. You shall wholly transform his bed from suffering. And then the psalmist here says, O Lord, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. He was smitten with a serious disease to the point that his enemies thought he was at the point of death. And what does he say? Heal me, for I've sinned. In other words, I'm sick because of my sin. He knew there was a direct correlation in that case. And he's asking for healing as God's mercy. And here's the promise that those who are merciful to the poor and caring, that, that God in turn is merciful to them and sustains them on their sickbed. And then of course, the famous words of Psalm 103. Psalm 103, where, where David proclaims, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything within me praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his bounties. And then he lists them. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. Speaking of his own life experience, he redeems your life from the pit, surrounds you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good things in the prime of life so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David said, this is who God is. This is what I've experienced. I've been sick. I've been afflicted. I've sinned, but he's forgiven me and he's healed me. And then just some verses from Proverbs, and there are many in Proverbs we could look at. A Proverbs chapter 3, of verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It will be a cure for your body and tonic for your bones. Remember, Proverbs is very down-to-earth practical. This is not just spiritual health or spiritual healing, but also physical well-being will come as you honor the Lord. It will be tonic, literally, to your bones. And then Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 22. They say this, My son, listen to my speech. Incline your ear to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them in your mind. They are life to him who finds them, healing for his whole body. So the words of God stored our heart in our mind, our healing and health and life. These are to be taken literally. These are literal promises. Again, 
You always have examples of godly people who are sick and wicked people who are healthy. Yet the pattern, what is clearly established, is that sickness in and of itself is a negative thing, as we all know and as we feel. Something's wrong. I don't feel good today, right? And healing and health in and of themselves are good things. People are praying for the recovery of DeMar Hamlin, the, the football player with a freak accident on, on Monday night. When you hear the report that, that he's neurologically intact, he's making remarkable progress, everyone's glad to hear that because healing and health are good things. When you hear about a, a young couple and, and just newly married and now the wife's got a cancer diagnosis, she's got a few months to live, that's heartbreaking. Why? Because healing in and of itself is a good thing. Sickness in and of itself is a bad thing. And God wants to reveal himself to his people as healer. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. That's right. That's the number to call. Yes, praise the Lord, all the nations. It is Thirdly Jewish Thursday. Number to call any Jewish Related question of any kind, 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, one more passage of scripture, then we're going to switch subjects. In the prophets, the idea of Israel as a sin-sick nation was often an image that was used. In other words, Israel sick from head to toe was a graphic metaphor, a graphic image of Israel in sin, Israel in bondage, Israel in rebellion, Israel under divine discipline, right? So, for example, Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30, as judgment is going to come on Judah, beginning verse 12. For thus said the Lord, your injury is incurable, your wounds severe. So it's talking about their spiritual condition. No one <laughs> pleads for the healing of your sickness. There is no remedy, no recovery for you. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you out, for I've struck you as an enemy strikes with cruel chastisement because your iniquity was so great and your sins so many. Why cry out over your injury? that your wound is incurable. I did these things to you because your iniquity was so great and your sins so many. Let's just pause there for a moment. It was spiritual, but it was also physical. In other words, the picture of an incurable wound spiritually also brought about physical affliction. It brought with it the judgment of sickness and disease. It brought with it the judgment of exile. It brought with it the judgment of economic collapse. It brought with it the judgment of suffering and war. Right, so it was spiritual, but with physical implications as well. So now God promises, verse 16, Assuredly, all who wanted to devour you shall be devoured, and every one of your foes shall go into captivity. Those who despoiled you shall be despoiled, and all who pillaged you I'll give to, pillage, uh, to be pillaged. But I will bring healing to you and cure you of your wounds. So one of the conclusions I came to in my doctoral dissertation was that the literality of healing equaled the literality of smiting. In other words, if God said, I'm going to judge you in ABC ways, and now I'm going to heal you and restore you in ABC ways, that whatever ABC was, destruction, sickness, exile, economic collapse, etc., that healing would mean the opposite of all of those things. 
And the ultimate goal and vision of the prophets was the whole person wholly healed, the whole nation wholly healed. Therefore, in right relationship with God, with sins forgiven, and also thriving physically. Now, the New Testament promises us suffering for the gospel, but that is different than just getting sick. In other words, everybody gets sick. Everybody gets in accidents. But we are promised suffering and opposition for the gospel, and yet also healing is part of what Jesus accomplishes on the cross, healing for the whole person. Another subject to get into further, but just want to reinforce to you God's promises for healing in the Hebrew Bible, how clear they are, and then they continue to be reinforced in the New Testament. Okay, <clears throat> so I want to give you an update in detail on a Hebrew Israelite leader that responded to my invitation to do a public debate. And I, I want to go through some interaction that I had with Vocab Malone. All right, so he's mediated this. So this was an email, and I've got all the info except the actual email addresses. This was sent to me by Vocab Malone, uh, Wednesday, December 7th, 2022, subject leader of the Sikari sect. Dr. Brown, Al-Azhar uh, Ben Lawa, says he accepts. Let me know if you want to be involved to advise or set up. All right? So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. That was, okay, December 6th, actually. Uh, and then December 7th was the response. So then um, I responded, thanks for letting me know. That is great news. First, could uh, you let him know I'm in India right now, but gladly in touch when I get back. But for the moment, ask him what are his number one or two or three top subjects that he would like to debate so we can agree on the subject matter. And then ask him what format he'd be most comfortable with for fairness. Also, if you could let me know who he is and the group that he leads, that would be helpful too. So right, let me play you the video now where this gentleman, uh, he just plays a clip from my show where I'm saying, hey, I'm happy to... to to uh, interact with anyone that's recognized as a Hebrew-Israelite leader. In other words, I want to be fair. I want the person, if we're going to have a formal debate, let them be a recognized leader so it's fair to their position. So he plays that whole clip, uh, unedited, and then let's listen to his response. So this goes back to uh, about a month ago. Okay, so he said you got to be a recognized Hebrew-Israelite leader in order for him to take this faith, and he wants it to be formally moderated on a large platform, on a neutral platform. That's what he said, right? Okay, well, I am, just for the record, to state my credentials, okay? Chief Priest Al-Azhar Beloya the Sakari. I'm a recognized leader in this community. Also, my second in command, my esteemed colleague, Deacon Akago Yum, another one who is a recognized leader. You can go and ask the people you're familiar with. Who he run with? Alton Johnson, who else? He's he's buddy-buddy he's buddy with Vocab Malone as well as I. Who else? Name me some other people. That he's down with uh, James White, Doctor James White. Dr. James White. Okay, well, he knows me. They know us. They know our pedigree. They know that we are established, recognized leaders in the Israelite community. Um, we're not the only ones, but we want to just go on the record now and say that we're accepting your challenge. Um, since you're making the demand of it being in a neutral setting and a moderated debate. I would recommend the House of Consciousness, Sonetta TV, to actually host it as he's neutral. He's not a, a believer in the Most High. He identifies with, um, you know, ancient Kemen and things of that nature, but he does host, builds, debates with people from variant beliefs. Um, Vocab Malone he has been featured on this platform and been 
um, you know, represented and allowed to speak and, you know, things of that nature on that platform. And it's a very expansive platform, does huge numbers. Um, and we would be more comfortable seeing that it is a black platform, frankly. So that's what I'll say. And that's what I put out there. It doesn't 1000% have to be Sonetta, right? But I'm just throwing that out there um, because it's neutral, but it's black. And, um, you know, I, that that's, so that's our official response to him saying he wants an Israelite to come debate. Wonderful. So we're in the process of setting that up. I just want to give you the further update. And I appreciate that very much. Appreciate you doing the video put, and putting that out. So uh, Vocab then wrote to me, the only topic he suggested was this gentleman, the legitimacy of European Jews. That's literally what he said. Of course, it doesn't leave him defending anything. Legitimate needs to be defined, and he probably means Ashkenazi. He says he's more interested in historical rather than theological topics. And then Vocab emailed and said, personally, I'd like to see them defend their version of Hebrew, Lashon Kodesh, the way they would put it. Um, and then Vocab has an idea for a platform, a Christian platform, Brother Berean, etc. And then maybe we could do... A, a joint stream on several at the same time. Let's get out to the maximum audience. As long as everyone feels it's fair. The gentleman I'm going to debate feels it's fair. I want everyone to feel it's fair, right? That, that no one is, is manipulating the time or being unfair to the participants. That's the key thing. I want it to be fair to everyone, that everyone feels secure that this is fair. And then we get it out to the maximum audience live and then thereafter. Uh, as for format, he said he hadn't really thought about it. All he said was two to three rounds, 15 minutes around in a cross-examination. We need to come up with something more precise. He thinks early January 2023 will work. Then I wrote back to Vocab. This is uh, all December 8th. Do you mind being in the middle of this? I certainly appreciate your help. And we're going back and forth about other details. So I said, let's do a double debate in one shot. Are European Jews legitimate Jews? And is Lashon Kwadash legitimate Hebrew? First half, I take the affirmative side, go first. He takes the negative side, go second. Second half, we switch. Opening statements, 15 minutes each. Rebuttals, 12 minutes each. Cross-examination, 10 minutes each. Each question cannot be longer than 30 seconds. The answer cannot be longer than two minutes each. Closing statements, five minutes each. Then repeat the entire format for the second debate. And I shared this on a previous show, but I'll reiterate it here. You can also go on record that I'm willing to debate him on any of the following, asking for a direct response. Although at this point, we can lock into the double debate I proposed. Other topics I, I uh, invited this Sikari leader to debate with me. Will all nations go into slavery and the world end by thermonuclear destruction? Are there modern day prophets, apostles, and which organizations could true prophets and apostles not lead? Is reincarnation biblical? Are there people today who have been identified as people of old? How do we know? Is the kingdom only for Israel or will it be for all nations? Is the virgin birth legitimate? biblical, and necessary for the salvation of Israel. What is a man of the Lord? What are the qualities, actions, and beliefs of him? Which Israelite school is the whole truth? What is the history of marriage, and how does the Bible define it? How should the righteous live it out today? And is the devil a spiritual being or a nation of people? What doth the scripture declare? So he then went back and forth with vocab, does not want to debate any of the theological topics with me, and does not want to debate the Hebrew language topic with me. That's a good move on his part, because there's no debate there. The, the whole Lashon uh, Kwadesh is, is a complete 100% butchering of the Hebrew Bible based on complete ignorance, excuse me, of the Hebrew language based on complete ignorance of the Hebrew language, period. There, there's no debate to be had. 
There's no debate to be had on that any more than there's a debate whether I have a nose or not. So it's, it's a good move on his part to, to not debate it. Of, of course, I'm quite sure about all the other issues that we're debating as well. But that it was a good move to not even want to touch that. So I then wrote to, to Vocab, this is later last month. So to be clear, I can announce publicly that he refused to debate me on the correct pronunciation of the Hebrew language as well as all the theological topics. Since he went public and accepting by invitation to do a debate, it's important that I make this clear publicly as well. As for your, uh, so what, what we ended up agreeing on was this, okay? The 12 tribes chart, Ashkenazi Jews, who is legitimate? So the 12 tribes chart, which claims that, say, that the Haitians are descendants of the Levites and American Indians are another tribe and Negro Americans are another tribe of Israel. Are they legit or are Ashkenazi Jews legitimately Israelite? So that's agreed on. Hopefully we'll be setting that up very soon. Be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. We received a request to speak with a gentleman who has some very exceptional, extravagant, surprising claims, but we're going to hear it out of his own mouth, and then we will know how to pray accordingly. Uh, the gentleman goes by the name of Yaju Judah. Uh, sir, welcome to the Line of Fire broadcast. Thanks for joining me. All right, greetings to you. I appreciate you for having me. Well, thank you. Uh, how did you get your name? Um... Come in to understanding, you know, the different language or the, the Hebrew way of looking at certain things and finding out Yah means God and the Jews uh, represent the precious stones. So I put the name Yah Jew together. It was a name I actually kind of put together based off that concept. And and so name, got it. And the name Judah, where did that come from? Uh, the lineage of David. Okay, so but were, were you born with that last name, sir? No, sir. Okay, so Yaju Judah is, is a name you came up with. Um, in the email we received, I was told that you believe that Jesus never existed. Is is that accurate? Correct. Um, it was a story for the last day, which you are absolutely correct. All right, so, so a, as you probably know, we have lots of eyewitness accounts of Jesus from those that were with him in the Gospels. Then we have Roman and Jewish accounts that, that mention him, even though they don't believe in him. And then we have hundreds of millions of people who say that their life has been changed by him. So, sir, what do you do with all that evidence? Well, I say the devil deceived the whole world, which is why everyone is waiting for God to return to bring back the light. Uh, so that's how the whole world just have been deceived. Okay, so the more evidence we have, that would prove that there's more deception? Well, that's why I say that the don't really hold it with the text. Because of the, the scriptures is dealing with the Solomonic dynasty, which is in Ethiopia. 
Uh, so even when you deal with the deity Jesus, because they have made Jesus a deity that comes back in the flesh, and not the spirit of God coming through the living flesh, as the scriptures teach us. The scriptures teach us that the spirit of God will be dwelling in living flesh. The flesh don't come back. It's the one that's hosting. You know, so they have made this a deity and not the teaching of David will will never lack a man to sit on his throne. So it's always another vessel raised up to host the spirit that doesn't die. So, uh, you know, so, so when, when you talk about the Bible, what do you think of the New Testament? Well, the New Testament, you see, the Bible has faith. So what have been done, they have taken the prophecy and changed the appointed time. And that's why it's so far back, 2,000 years ago. So, so the New Testament is about the house of David being in captivity, as it tells us in Matthew 1 and 17. It tells you the house of David was carried away to Babylon. So when you read Revelations, you read the destruction of Babylon, which is what's going on uh, in these last days. But when all of these authors of the New Testament, what they have in common is they all talk about Jesus who lived and died and rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. So who were they talking about? What what were they believing in? Who was that person? Well, that's why I said the story was for the last day. They, they just have taken this story and created a concept of it. So that's why the whole world has been deceived with the Jesus story. But this story was for the last day. So everything they're writing about is their imagination. Because... Everything was foretold when you deal with prophecy. Moses foretold the coming of Christ. Isaiah foretold the coming of Christ. So you're dealing with a book that talks about the forecoming of things, which is a shadow. It's like it's like your shadow. It's not the real thing, so it's a shadow. It's an outline of what's to come. You know, and all they did as Daniel 7 and 25, they changed laws and they changed time. So they right. changed the appointed time of the son. So the prophets who declared that the Messiah would come and die and rise before the second temple was destroyed, which was in the year 70, are you saying that they were deceived also? Correct. That's why the, the, the temple was actually, when you, when you deal with the temple, you're dealing with the vessel that's hosting the spirit. Um, when, when you're dealing with God's temple, God don't dwell in temples made with man. You know, so even when you're dealing with the concept of a temple being destroyed, you're dealing with a vessel that's hosting this spirit. So um, they have an incident that took place uh, with the Roman Catholic Church in Ethiopia in 1868. You know, where the first manuscripts of the Bible was taken from Ethiopia. You know, now this, these things happened in 1868. You know, and, and nobody talks about this in history and the translation of the Bible. And all these things that took place in this time, which deals with the lineage of David that the Bible speaks of. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll put that part aside about translations and texts of the Bible for a moment. But, sir, who, who do you claim to be today? I will be the son of man that's speaking to the descendants of Abraham as the anointed one of God, as, as what Christ means, the anointed one, the holy one of Israel. So you're, you're not him yet, but you will be? No, I am him. That's why. That's why he talks about me death. You know, um, my. Uh, what if my What if I told you, sir? What if I told you that I am he, that I'm actually the one. 
that I'm the chosen one, that I'm the Christ, and that the living spirit lives in me today. What if I told you that it's actually me, not you? Well, no, that would be, be just your words, but you would have to, uh, your works would have to testify to what you speak on, or, or you will be a prophet of Babylon. And okay, you know, so, you have many prophets of Babylon. So. All right, so then I would say the same to you. In other words, the Jesus of the Bible raised the dead. The Jesus of the Bible opened the eyes of people born blind. The Jesus of the Bible to this day is setting millions of people free from drug addiction, alcohol, sexual immorality, bringing people to repudiate their, their worship of idols and now to worship the one true God. And almost no one knows who you are. If you were doing these things, the whole world would know about them. So tell me about the works that you're doing that are greater than the Jesus of the Bible. Well, first, first um, we got to prove every man because the devil is in the disguise as an, as an angel. So the devil, the devil is out giving a, a message to the people that's deceiving the world. So we can't see God. So the pure heart will not, can't see God. So the first thing that I've been anointed to do was to, to defeat the devil, which was the messenger. So I have proved all religion false. I have proved every man a liar, as scriptures tell you. Let every man be a liar. So if Jesus was praying all these people, as you say, and doing such a good job, why is everybody waiting for Jesus to come back to make the world a better place? If he was already here doing these things. So this is just a false conception of what we say. But as we can see, the world getting worse and worse. Oh, okay, so hang on then. You're here. You claim to be the Messiah. You've announced this for some time now, and the world is still getting worse. It probably is me. It's probably actually me, not you. You're probably the false prophet and the deceiver, and I'm probably the real guy. And, and as soon as I announce myself, the world will get better. I mean, do you understand how utterly, incredibly absurd it sounds to say those words and the words that you're saying? I, I mean, I, you may be sincerely convinced of this. In other words, you may be convinced. And Jesus did warn us about people just like you, saying many will come saying, I'm the Messiah. Don't, don't believe them. And you'll know it's the real one because he's going to come in the clouds of heaven for the whole world to see. And it's just as ridiculous for me to claim to be the one as for you to claim to be the one. So the Bible did tell us you were coming. And yes, the Bible does say Satan comes as an angel of light. But in all seriousness, just out of concern for your own soul and, and your well-being and any that actually follow you, show me the works of God that are transforming the world and doing what Jesus will do when he returns. Please show us those works. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear. I think first you got to understand. Have you read what Jesus turned over tables? What who says? Have you read when Jesus turned over tables? Yes. Have you read that to Of course. Okay, well, that's what I've been doing. Uh, I've been proving all religions false, as I stated earlier. So this is the work of, of the Father. This is this but is. But the world's vision. still getting worse, this sir. The, the world's still getting worse. No, you've, you've claimed no, to be the Messiah, no, no. and the world is still getting worse. Because it says, once, it says, just as Moses put the serpent on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So I must be lifted up. That's when all men going to come to me. But first, I must uh -huh. be, I must suffer. First, I must think. I must be rejected by the chief priests, scribes, and Pharisees, as is written. First is a suffering, then I enter my glory. 
So you're so going to be crucified. When you're crucified, so when you're crucified is when, that's what lifted up means, lifted up on the cross. When you're crucified and die a horrible death, then everybody will know you're the real one. No, that's not what I said. I said, so the cross is the burdens that I've been carrying these years. I've been proclaiming these things. That's the cross that I carry. That's my crucifixion. Because as I come yeah. here, and like you said, you're going to deny me, so you're going to pierce me with your words, and you're going to throw stones at me with your words. Well, well hang on. You, do you deny that I, do you deny, sir, do you deny that I'm the Messiah? Can I finish? Can just, I just hang on. Do you deny that, do you deny that I am the Messiah? You never, you never proclaim the Messiah. I don't. I never heard you proclaim the Messiah. Well, I, so I, I, I told you it's more likely me than you. So, do you deny that to be the case? Oh yes. 100%. Okay, so so you're rejecting me. You're piercing me with your words. I could give you the same nonsense. Well, <laughs> you could, but you don't have the receipts to show. I, see, I got the receipts because I have I have works. You have that, no works, sir. Sir, let, let me just let me just be as plain as I can. I just want to be as plain as I can. And I, I gave you time on the air so I could get people praying for you. You are one of the most deceived individuals I've spoken to. And I invited you on the air so that we could get people praying for you. You have butchered the Bible. You have spat on history. You have zero credentials of any kind. You do not represent a movement. You represent a deceived individual. May the Lord bring you to repentance and salvation. May you recognize you are as fallen as I am and the rest of the world. And your only hope is salvation through the Jesus you deny. May God have mercy on your soul and bring you to repentance and salvation. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. So for other Hebrew Israelites that are listening, I understand this gentleman does not represent you. I understand that. I understand that you would reject his bizarre and sad claims as well. But when I opened the door and said, if you're a Hebrew Israelite leader and you want to debate me, etc., so I was not going to do a debate with this gentleman. That, that's obviously folly to do that. But I said, well, well, great. Let's have you on the air and do an interview. I want you to see how deeply deceived people can be. I want you to see how they can spout absolute nonsense and yet quote scripture I mean, of course, anyone who knows the Bible knows just being butchered and taken out of context, etc. And anyone who knows history knows you don't deny the existence of Jesus. Uh, but I, I, I just think it's important to see how deep deception can go, how baseless it can be, how sincere people can be in their deception, and, and why we pray for them to be delivered. And whether this man has five followers or 50 or 500, I pray that, that God would help them 
And I'm uh, the fact that I mentioned that in the same show that I mentioned a debate that I'm having a Hebrew Israelite leader is not to equate these beliefs with those of the Hebrew Israelite leader that I've agreed to do a formal debate with. I want to say that because I'm, I'm coming in as clearly and honestly and fairly as I can. And certain things need to be derided and mocked. We will expose them. We'll expose them with love. It, it actually is painful for me. I, 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 it was not fun to do that. It's painful. But may the Lord have mercy on the gentleman's soul. And again, just another example of how easily people can be deceived and how they can just rip things out of the Bible and create all kinds of false realities. By the way, 25 minutes from now, we'll be back on our YouTube channel, Ask Dr. Brown, A-S-K-D-R Brown. We'll be back on our YouTube channel doing our weekly Q&A chat. We haven't done it for a few weeks, so we'll be doing that. And you can just post all kinds of questions there. All right, we go to the phones. Let's start in Virginia with Marianne. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. Um, I'm calling because there is something very weird to me. Um, I heard this claim. Um, they're the, kind of like the Bart Ehrman minions, I think. <laughs> um, but the claim is Josephus mentions a dozen or more filled Messiah figures in history. Like, um, and here's a list. Hezekiah, defeated by Herod in 47 BCE. Judas, um, a.k.a. Theodos, son of Hezekiah, in uh, the year 4 BCE. Yeah, you don't, you don't actually need to go through, Yeah, you don't need to read through the whole list, but right, uh, different yeah. people that claim to be Messiah or people claim they were the Messiah. Yep. Right. So does that mean that Jesus is just another one of several messianic figures? Oh, no, quite, quite the contrary. He was the only one. In, in other words, his truthfulness exposes all the others. None of the others were prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. None of them had their birth prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. None of them had the place of their birth prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. None of them had their death and their resurrection prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. None of them had the miracles they would be performing prophesied in the Hebrew Bible, nor did they perform those miracles. And the, the only possible candidate had to die and rise from the dead before the second temple was destroyed. That's why all the other names are forgotten, whereas Jesus is the best-known figure on the planet. Jesus is the most influential Jew who's ever lived. And Jesus is worshipped as God by more individuals than, than any other uh, any other group worships follows anywhere on the planet. So on every level, he alone is, is the one true God, the one true savior, the one true Messiah. He alone has the credentials to back it. And when you compare him to everybody else, that's why we forgot their names. That's why there are all these failed messiahs. And we also know that Satan's a counterfeiter. It says in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, that he comes as an angel of light, that Jesus himself warns about false prophets and false messiahs and false apostles. And, and the Old Testament uh, law and prophets warned about false prophets who would come. So you always have the counterfeit, but what exposes the yeah. counterfeit is the true. Right. Yeah. And like, according to Judaism, he's no different from any other Messiahs, but according to the criteria you've given me, I think that's a good argument. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome, Marianne. And, and this is a, a slam dunk in, t in terms of credentials. 
You know what I'm saying? It, it, it would almost be like this, that that I'm 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 talking about. Let's take a massive basketball player like Shaquille and O'Neal, right? And I and I bring in seven different people who all claim to be Shaquille O'Neal. They're all under five feet tall and they're all white. Well, Shaquille O'Neal is what seven two black, a giant man. Well, the the more you bring in the others, like that's not him, that's not him. Well, multiply that by a million, by a billion. And that's the difference between Jesus and all these others. Again, he's uniquely prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. He had to come, live, die, rise from the dead before the second temple was destroyed. And I should also mention, Marianne, that the Hebrew Bible said he'd be rejected by his own people and received as a light to the nations, which is the case to this very moment before his own people would receive him again. So who fits that? Gloriously, wonderfully, one person only, Jesus, Yeshua, thereby exposes the mendacity, the falsehood of these other so-called messiahs. Thank you for the call, Marianne. All right, let's go over to the UK. Michael, welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question about uh, the, the Mosaic Covenant, Mosaic Law. Um, I have a Jewish, you know, biological background, but I, I'm a Christian and I totally believe in Jesus. But this, this has just troubled me uh, for decades. Um, so, and I know you're, you're an expert, so, uh, I'm glad to speak to you. So in Deuteronomy 6.25, it says, it will be righteousness for us if we observe all these commandments. Mm-hmm. And then in Deuteronomy 30.11, it says, this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor mm-hmm. is it out of your reach. Yep. And then I've heard you in debates say that the Day of Atonement does cover un, uh, intentional sins. Mm-hmm. So, I can't understand. If, if, if Deuteronomy is saying, if you obey the law, it will be considered righteousness for you, and God tells them in Deuteronomy thirty eleven, this commandment is not too difficult for you, and if you make a mistake, the day of atonement can cover you, why is it that Paul says that no one can be righteous through the law? Right. So first thing is, Deuteronomy, great questions. Deuteronomy 6, 25, uh, some Jewish translations will say it's to our merit before the Lord to faithfully observe this whole instruction. But the whole instruction includes the sacrificial system. The whole instruction includes the atonement system that God made, right? So we seek to live in obedience to God. And Luke 1 talks about Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Immerser, that they lived righteously by the law. Paul says about himself yes. in Philippians 3, he lived, so, he lived righteously by those. So in other words, you can conduct yourself in a way that by the, the standards, just in standards of human conduct are considered righteous, but it's understood there's still sin, we still fall short. Therefore, part of our righteousness is included in, in the whole system, right? So it's not just our works only, it's our works and the atonement system. And with Deuteronomy 30 is saying this is not inaccessible. It's right here. You can do it. Anyone can do it. It's right in front of you. You don't need someone to come and get it for you. Here it is yeah. right in front of you. And then what's the testimony of the Bible? We all fall short. We all sin. The 10 northern tribes go into exile. The southern tribes go into exile. The temple's destroyed once. The temple's destroyed a second time. It's never been rebuilt because of human failure. So even though God's saying, here it is, live it out. 
and this will be your righteousness. As you do this and as you follow the system that, that God ordained for atonement, we all fall short. And that's Paul's point. The reality is, even though it's fully accessible and nobody's stopping us from doing it, we choose wickedness, we choose sin, we choose evil. And that's why by the works of the law, no one is declared righteous. That you can have a certain conduct that the New Testament recognizes as righteous conduct, but in terms of your whole walk before God, your relationship with God, we all fall short. That's the story of Israel. That's the story of the prophetic books. It's the summaries you get in like 2 Kings 17 and 2 Chronicles 36 about the destruction of the northern tribes and the judgment on the southern tribes. And that's why God through Jeremiah institutes a new and better covenant in Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34, saying it won't be like the Sinai covenant, which we broke. And that's why it comes after Josiah with all his might tries to renew the Sinai covenant and it still fails and the nation goes into exile and the temple's destroyed and then subsequently destroyed and not rebuilt to this day. So one of the great messages of the Torah is the law, as Paul says, is holy, just, and good. Here it is, live it out. Nobody's stopping you. And yet we choose sin, we still fall short, which is why, you know, there are many verses talking about we've all gone astray. And if, if, if we try to, if God enters into judgment with us, we'd all be condemned and none of us can say, I've made my heart clean, you know, my heart is pure because we all fall short. So that's Paul's, what Paul learns from this. And we may have to just continue this in another point if, if you have any lingering questions, just because we're out of time. But I'll make sure Michael from UK will, will get back to this if needed. But that's what Paul learns from Israel's history and learns from the Torah, that the law itself is perfect, the Torah itself is perfect, but we always fall short and we therefore condemn ourselves and therefore we need mercy. Without the atonement system now, without the sacrifices, without the blood, what do we do? Either we're damned or God sent the Messiah to fulfill it and that's why we come to him and that's how the law points us to the Messiah. All right, thank you, sir for the call. We can continue if need be. Another program powered by the Truth Network.